This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Hey, welcome into Kansas Talk. It is a Saturday morning right here in Wichita, Kansas. Great to have you along for the ride today. I'm Andy Hoosier. Happy Saturday. Let's get you moving. I know it's been a weird week. Weird week after Memorial last weekend. Everybody out there glamping along, doing their thing. <laughs> yeah. But we're back at it, and now we get another weekend. So welcome into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM, KQAM. Trying to get you up and moving for another weekend. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, I'd love to hear from you. All of it here on a Saturday morning. Presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. For all your buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity. For all your gold and silver needs. They are open in about a half hour from now until 2.30 this afternoon. Also online at philscoins.com. Got a show lined up for you today. It's going to be a fun one. There's a lot of statewide issues I want to get to today. I I have a question for you, and this is a true, honest-to-God question. It's not being sarcastic. It's not being a jerk, although I am many times on the radio, and you can tell the difference. But my question to you is, with the massive push of incentives to get the vaccine now in the state of Kansas, you can potentially drive a race car around Kansas Speedway. You can get cash. You can get prizes. My question to you, at what level... If you said, no, I don't want to get the vaccine or I'm hesitant to get the vaccine, at what level are you willing to get bought out for to get the vaccine? What are you willing to accept as an incentive or a gift that the government could provide or a business could provide to say, you know what, okay, I'll compromise and I'll get the vaccine? What is that threshold to you personally? We'll talk about that here in a little bit at 316-721-825. I mean, I was really close when they said that I could get free beer. I, I was re- I was really close there, but now you know I just I just couldn't do it. So we'll get to that here in just a little bit. I'm excited. We haven't done this in a while here in studio for the hour as we talk some issues in the city of Wichita. We built this city. And the man himself back in studio with us. It has. It's been a little bit. City Council Member Mr. Brian Fry. What's going on, sir? Hey, good morning, Andy. Love to be back. Thank yeah, you for the invite. It's always good to talk to you. I know you've been extremely busy lately, and uh, now that we're going into the summer season, I mean, the city is already hopping. We see Riverfest kind of sort of kicking off this the, uh, this weekend. We have baseball back in action now. We yeah. have more stuff coming to the city. I think there's pent-up energy to want to go out and do stuff this year. Oh, absolutely. Um, you're right. The city is opening back up quickly. Um, obviously with the better weather, people are excited to get out. Uh, I've been to a couple of wind surge games and just the whole atmosphere and feel the mood of everyone being out at the stadium. Uh, there's no mask requirement at the stadium. There's no capacity limits. So people are just enjoying. Yeah, it's normal, right? (laughs) Uh, it's back to the way it used to be, uh, but it's a brand new stadium Mm -hmm. and, uh, but people are loving being out and about and around people again in a fantastic setting, and, and watching baseball. I mean, it, you can't get much more American than that, right? Yeah. So uh, it's been fantastic seeing it. Uh, we're reopening all of our pools this weekend. Remember, those were shut down in 20 because of COVID. Sure. So we took that opportunity to rebuild our, our inventory. So we remodeled six pools um, and then also built six new water playgrounds. And each one of these is different unique um, what happens what you see at harvest pool is different than at mcadams and mm. the water playground at evergreen is different than the water playground. so they're not all the same that's no, interesting they're, 
every one of them is different with unique art, unique uh, amenities, different um, activities. I mean, so you can seriously go to each one and discover something new. And there's hidden surprises at each one of them, too. So take your little ones and look for these hidden surprises at them. And I think people are really going to enjoy going out and checking out each one of them because they are different. Um, Harvest Pool opens next weekend. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but we're just so excited to get that going um, because, again, no one was able to use the pools last year, and now that's a, a brand-new treat for them. So a lot of fun activities, again, with the weather getting back. You mentioned Riverfest. Um, concerts have started up again. Wave Venue downtown had their first concert this week. Yeah. Uh, the Cotillion's starting to go gigs again. Yeah, Trivium's coming to town in August. I so you'd be kind excited of excited about that. About that. <laughs> I, I already have my tickets. I'm ready to go. Awesome. Very good. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just a different mood compared to last summer. Um, you know, and everyone is just excited to get out. And you're seeing it at the stores. You're seeing it. Um, just when you're out and about. So it's fantastic. It right? is really good. It is really good. I know that uh, with the splash pads especially, this was a big talking point a couple years back when you guys had talked about what to do with some of the pools, revamping some of those. Mm-hmm. The Edgemore pool I know was leaking a massive amount of water <laughs> yeah. in that pool, so you yeah. guys were talking about what to do with it. Um, so I'm, uh, it's exciting to see these splash pads because it's something kind of fun and unique and, and new where you don't have to have really lifeguards on duty or people supervising. Right. You can just have people go and just enjoy and i think it's going to be a big hit this year yeah and so these they really are water playgrounds as opposed to a splash pad where there's just water jets coming up out of the ground these definitely have different feels uh edgemore has a giant water bucket that fills up and dumps on (laughs) you um so and again each one has a different theme tied into the neighborhood um, with different art and different surprises like i mentioned sure um the water playgrounds are unique because you're right they don't have to have staff and they can be open longer Sure. Um, they can start the season earlier. They can go longer in the year. They can be open later hours of the evening. Now, one of the things that we did do with all of this is we also changed our pool hours. And so they are open longer. They're not closing at five like they used to. Okay. And so that gives family, working families the opportunity to bring their kids there in the evening and have um, later swims. Very so, good. Um, we really took some opportunities to retool the entire system. Um, and again, it the fact that every one of them is different makes it really fun to explore. Yeah, really neat. For the pools that you do have, I read a story about a week or so ago about a shortage of lifeguards yes. really around the country. Is yeah. that an issue that you guys have had yeah, to deal we, with, or are you covered right now? No, we, we were finally able to get it all filled, but it Good. was a struggle. Okay. Um, we had to, uh, we're paying more than what we normally would. Um, we started out at this rate, and we knew that we weren't getting the employees. It's tough to compete against unemployment checks and STEMI checks and getting people to want to get out and work. And so we raised the level of pay to get some attractiveness back for the jobs. But we finally able to get them all filled and kind of retool the positions a little bit. Um, but we're, we're fully staffed now. Good, so good. It's good. Speaking of that, I'm glad you mentioned that. There was a, you guys had a bit of a retreat, was it this week or last week? You guys had talked about um, potentially raising minimum wage for city workers as well. Where are we th- with that and where did that come from? And is that uh, going to like a $15 an hour minimum wage or what's that discussion look like? So what we had to do during the COVID was we had to do some furloughs and had to uh, have some openings. And we kept those openings for the entire year. During that time, staff really evaluated how many of those positions were absolutely necessary. What can we do differently? How can we be more efficient? Can we do, um, do we need all of those? It was about 
500 people sure. that we had to either keep positions open or furlough and so forth. As we're going into this budget year, we really did a critical look of how many of those need to come back that we absolutely have to have. And it's about 140. Okay. And of those 140, any of those that were below $15 an hour, we asked our manager to evaluate how much would it take to bring them up from anyone that was of those 140. Okay. Again, to make the positions attractive because uh, it's a very competitive market right now. You see restaurants, all of them have got help wanted signs, retail. Everyone's facing the same challenge of hiring workers back. And so we, needed, we knew that we needed to have an attractive pay rate. And so for those 140 that we were bringing back, any of those that were below the $15 an hour, we asked the manager, what would it take to, from a budget standpoint to bring them up? How many? It's not 140. It's much less than that 140. Mm-hmm. We also had to be concerned with pay scales and wage compression. And so how does that affect um, our union contracts? You know, we had to want to be fair across the board. And so he's been doing that uh, work sounds like it's going to be okay and it's not going to have a major effect on the budget you know say even long-term effects i mean that's something yeah. that we're going to be able to maintain yes okay yeah uh it, it's something that he feels from a budget standpoint we can do it's like eighty thousand dollars so it's not a lot of money and again to make the position look it's tough enough in um recruiting people to work in government <laughs> and no. if you're also having very low wages it makes it even tougher so this gets us more on an even playing field, um, and again, doesn't affect wage compression, doesn't affect our union contracts. Uh, the main takeaway for me, though, is that we didn't have to fill all 500. We were able to identify better ways to be more efficient and only hiring those people that we had to have back to fill the services that we needed. Sure. So we were able to get a little leaner, um, and that saved us money in the end run. So. It was a good exercise all the way around, um, and I think going forward, we're going to be in a much better position, again, competing in the private sector for those jobs. Sure. Well, that's a good thing. Uh, let's go ahead and take a break here. 17 minutes past the hour. There's a lot that I want to get to since we haven't had you here in a while. Now that we're going <laughs> into the summer season, there's some new businesses coming into town. There's yeah. some new entertainment things coming into town here, uh, plus with some of the finance reports. And I do want to talk more about that job market because it is not just an issue in, in the city or the county, but really the entire state and the country with this. So we'll talk about some ideas there as well. So there's a lot to get to here for the city of Wichita. If you have any comments or questions, you can call 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. It's Candace Talk right here on Saturday here on the Big Talker KQAM. Back into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. 21 minutes past the hour here on your Saturday morning. Getting you up and moving, moving and shaking. All right, so here's the big question. And we had talked about this last week going into Memorial Weekend. Are you a camper or are you a glamper? <laughs> I do both, man. You do both. I All do right. both. All right. As long as I'm outside somewhere and I can enjoy Just kind nature, of enjoy. Uh, you know, the wife is more of a glamper. Okay. Yeah, yeah. she likes the hotel. She likes the... <laughs> The fine living. The nice um, RV with the electric hookups. She doesn't and, like yeah. to sleep on the floor, yeah, on the ground, yeah. right? Um, 
But no, I, I'll do both. Okay. I'll, I'll sleep under the stars. I, I don't need. See, I'm right there. That's yeah. that's that's my that's, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Outside, yeah. if it's cool enough, don't need a sleeping that. bag. Just lay out. That's cool. I've seen a lot of people this weekend going into this weekend driving the campers and the boats. Where I think they they wait after the memorial weekend when everything's crazy, and then they do it the weekend or two after right. when it's a little bit calmer. Oh well, yeah. We were in Oklahoma for Memorial Day weekend, and it was cold, cloudy, um, wet. So, I mean, it was not like this weekend. This weekend's gorgeous. Yep. Um, so it was a di- little disappointing, uh, but we're still at the lake, so hey, I'll take that over. Got to power through it, right? Yeah, that's right. Got to power through it. Yeah, it's it's going to be nice. By the way, just a little programming note for you as well, that this weekend across the state of Kansas is free fishing weekend, too, from the Kansas Department of uh, Wildlife and Tourism. So uh, you don't need a license this weekend to go fishing. You have to follow all the other rules, but uh, that is something that you can go do as well for another bit of festivity. Go out yep. to the lake and go fishing this weekend. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, good stuff. All right, we do have a phone call here, so let's go to that, shall we? 316-721-8255. Good morning. Who's this? This is Frederick. Frederick, good morning, sir. Yes, I have a question for uh, uh, Councilman Brian Fry. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning of the city commission meetings, the mayor, the spokesman for the city, says uh, for the flag salute, if you're willing and able to stand up for the flag salute, why doesn't he just say, let's all stand up for the flag salute? Why does he say, mm-hmm. if you're willing? In other words, if you're not willing, if you want to protest, you can protest. <laughs> or Now, the now. The, the county always says, let's all stand up for the flag salute. And uh, a lot of people have noticed that. And I just wondered if Brian Fry is aware that people have noticed that the mayor does say, if you're willing, in other words, if you don't want to salute the flag, you don't have to. If you want to protest, I guess that's it. What's your, what are your feelings? Well, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Frederick, and thank you for the question. Um, so it actually, he says, is uh, everyone willing to stand for the invocation? And the flag salute. We enjoy. We invite you to do so. So there's actually two things that happen. There is a prayer, and then the flag salute. Mm. So that's what he's asking. If you want to stand for the invocation and the flag salute, there are people that n- might not necessarily want to stand for the invocation. We have a rotating group that does the invocation. Yeah, the uh, county and, does that too, don't they? I don't know for certain because I don't go to the county meetings, but. Um, we have someone every week who's different, and it, and it might be um, a Catholic priest, it might be um, a Jewish rabbi, and so on and so forth. So um, that might be more of a religious thing if you don't want to stand for that particular, you know. I had heard belief. that from the yeah. I had heard one of the county meetings where they did that, and it, it threw me off guard because it was uh, some religion that I had not really been familiar with, right. and they did something. And I it just caught me off guard. I said, "What what what was that?" And I had to ask Jim Howell about that. So. Um, okay, so it's kind of the preference based on religious preference if right. you want to stand for, for that right. certain Yeah, the invitation prayer. is for both, or you can stand mm. for either. And and we will have people that will stand, will not stand for the invocation, but then they will stand for this for the Pledge of Allegiance. And I've noticed that in the chambers before. So, But the invitation is oh. to do for both, if you wish, or either. Oh, oh okay. Um, and the second question is, why, uh, why is... Uh, Wichita so against of having parking lots for huge <laughs> events. In other words, Century Two, no, uh, no, not. I mean, Interest Bank Arena, no parking lot for people. A uh, brand new stadium, no parking lot for people. It seems like the city wants to build something very beautiful, and he wants they want a lot of people to come, but say, hey, you can park ten miles away if you want, and go ahead and walk on down. 
why doesn't the city want or encouraging exercise parking so there there's a lot to your question there i'm going to kind of unpack it a little bit because um when interest bank arena was first built there was a desire to build a lot of parking lots and garages and so forth and a few years after it opened they realized they overbuilt and so now you've got all this investment in parking lots that aren't used the majority of the time um and so that's expensive real estate especially in your downtown core to have devoted to surface parking lots the idea being that you want people to um, walk or use the queue line or use a scooter or a bike share or ride share to get to your ultimate destination if you can make it safe and enjoyable to walk people will feel comfortable um, yes we're used to as a society being able to pull right up to the front door and walk in in a 10,000 15,000 seat arena 10,000 seat baseball stadium you can't do that not everyone can be doorside um, so you have to create other areas either parking garages or destination lots that have multi-purpose um, century two lots can also be used for the performing arts center or the baseball stadium and so forth we are building a new 600 stall parking garage adjacent to riverfront stadium it's going to take a little while because uh, it's the size um, but that should be open by the start of the 23 season um, we don't want to create all these parking lots and not have any developable space parking lots don't generate a lot of tax revenue office buildings restaurants retail apartments they generate the tax revenue and so if you can create multi-use parking garages that can double down and be used for other things or parking surface lots. That's really that mix, that balance that we're trying to find. Mm. Um, so uh, interesting. If, if you remember the old Kansas Coliseum, I took a grid map of that acreage um, and laid it over the new riverfront stadium. And that parking lot would have gone all the way to Seneca, all the way to Kellogg, uh, to Broadway and back up to Douglas. That's a lot of valuable real estate to be used for a parking lot. And that's that's not the idea in your core. So yeah, interesting, Frederick. I appreciate that. We're about ready to take a break here, so I'm going to let you go. But uh, hopefully, that answered the question. Which you mentioned some of the opportunities downtown. The queue line is officially back up and running yes. as well. That just opened up in the last week too, right? Yeah, and that was a big challenge during COVID. We had to stop that service. Um, we've had a struggle finding transit drivers, and so if you've ever driven a bus or have a CDL and you'd like to get an extra part-time job or even a full-time job. Uh, transit is hiring. Uh, we've got all brand new electric trolleys and they're um, state of the art. They're gorgeous. It's still the queue line. Um, it started up again last weekend and it runs from Clifton Square to Delano. Uh, every 15 minutes it'll pass you by. So that's a very popular service, especially during the summertime. Sure. Now, I haven't heard much about it. we got about 30 seconds before we got to take a break. Um, the the scooters and the bikes, that is still in yep. Wichita? Because I hadn't heard much about it. I didn't know if we were still doing that. Yes. Q, uh, the bike share and the scooters are back running. They We uh, had to get a new provider for the bike share because mm. the company that used to do it went out of business. and so. But it's going again. Uh, question real quick, too. Do you have to wear a mask on the queue line? Yes. Unfortunately, mm. because it is... Uh, federally assisted funding 
That is a federal requirement right they now. They set those guidelines right now. Interesting. Yeah. Those are the feds for you. Those, yeah, those are the feds. <laughs> we'll uh, take a bottom of the hour break when we come back. we got more to talk about with the city. More jobs with the businesses. How do we get them back going? Plus, Top Golf, a new thing coming to Wichita. We'll talk about that and more when we come back right here on Kansas Talk. Stay here. To Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Darn right you are. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM KQAM. Hey, program, you know, we've been talking about some of the events going on in the Wichita area and the Wichita Wind Surge, that new double-A baseball team, triple-A baseball team. Double-A. Double-A, that's right, double-A baseball team. I know these things because <laughs> we uh, have them on our sister station of Sports Radio KGSO. 1410 on the AM dial, 93.9 on the FM dial. You can hear them every single game, every night on that station, and we'll be airing them live the entire season. So you can tune in there. So we got you covered. Also, starting on Monday on our sister station, we got some really cool stuff coming. I got to give you some little lowdown here. On our sister station, KGSO, as well, we do have the Sunflower Collegian uh, High School Baseball Tournament. That's going to be the doubleheader every Monday. We will be carrying both games every Monday right here on or over there on Sports Radio KGSO as well. Here on KQAM, I am super excited. We're doing a programming change a little bit. After some national contractual things that have been going on, not necessarily specific to our market, but just in general nationwide, there was a change. Dana Lesh, the Dana Show, if you listen to her, we will not be carrying her anymore. Not our fault, not anybody's fault other than just two major companies doing contractual dealings and doing their thing. So we will not be carrying Dana, but that's okay because I am super, super excited about what's coming up on the KQAM Airwaves starting on Monday, middays 11 to 2. The Dan Bongino Show. Dan Bongino himself, the man himself, the guy that used to fill in for Mark Levin, the guy that is now uh, growing massively in this nation, one of the fastest growing shows. He's, he started his show on May 24th and already has 150 radio stations, and they're growing massively. We were getting everything prepared and getting the transition to go, and the people at Westwood One, his syndicator, that we work with really closely, and we appreciate them for allowing us to pick this show up. They are so busy in back order, it took them three days to allow us to be able to get our receivers and all the technical stuff approved to get this done because so many people are picking up Dan Bongino. I'm super excited about this show. It's going to be a good one. That is exciting news. I've seen him on and listened to him on Facebook and the opportunity for him to be on uh, this station, that's great. Yeah, yeah, so. we are super excited. And we'll be talking with him on Candace Talk next Saturday to properly welcome him into the KQAM cool. Airwaves. So looking forward to that. But Dan Bongino, the new program live, middays 11 to 2, you'll be able to call into the show. Uh, so I was talking, you'll enjoy this too. We were talking to his affiliates in, in Westwood One, getting them all set up, and they were giving us the lowdown on his program. And they said he is so big that the first day that he went national uh, to, with this three-hour show, because he was doing a one-hour program in the evenings, Jumped to middays. His first day doing the live midday three-hour show broke the record for Westwood <laughs> One with over 1,300 phone calls into his program wow. the very first day. Oh, fantastic. Amazing. That's that's great, exciting news for you guys. Amazing. Congrats. So, yeah, we're excited for Dan Bongino. You can hear him live here on KQAM middays 11 to 2. Uh, City Council member Brian Fry hanging out with us here for another half hour. Uh, real quickly, all right, the most important question I can ask you today. <laughs> the most important question. Uh, your thoughts on what we're going to see from the UFO report from the Pentagon. <laughs> uh, Will we see confirmation of aliens? You know, I, 
the the cynic in me says they're doing this to uh, maybe divert our attention to something else they don't want us to pay attention to. Mm. Right? See, I've heard that, and I, I can see that. But Trump's that's the cynic in me. Th- that's true. But Trump signed this executive order back in like October. Yeah. Uh, uh, October, and af- that was after he announced the space force, and he announced it. So I don't. He's been wanting to release this info for a well, while. I'm exci- Again, I'm looking forward to it because there's always been all these questions, you know, UFOs and so forth. Are they real or not? So I got to believe there's something more than just the earth yeah and what's going on it's for us to just believe it's only us there's got to be more it's got to be more out there now the associated press said that there's no reference at all of extraterrestrials in the report that it's going to be pretty bland that i mean it's literally going to come out and say here's a whole bunch of things that we can't account for yeah for ufos or uaps or whatever you want to call them now there's a lot of things that we don't know about that that we may have some of these in possession the government even said we have things that are quote not made from this earth so they've kind of hinted towards that but they say according to the associated press and the reports that they have the report's not going to say anything about extraterrestrials or confirmation or not just here's a bunch of stuff that we have we confirm that this stuff is out there we just don't know what it is and yeah, that's a really so what the report. Again, the so cynic again, tells me it's just a smoke screen to divert our attention. I mean, we do have Fauci's emails now, so there's that. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah, <laughs> hey, don't worry about Fauci's emails. Here's some alien stuff for you conspiracy theorists. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can see that. I can definitely see that. 316-721-8255. Let's go to the phones here. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, Mr. Andy. It's Mr. Sean. Mr. Sean. What's going on, sir? Oh, not much. Just enjoying the beautiful morning with some coffee. That's what I'm talking uh, about. Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, I've got a question for the councilman. Okay. And then after I ask that question, uh, would it be okay if I answered the question that you asked at the beginning of the show? Okay. Okay. So my question is for the councilman. Uh, last year, the city uh, put down a new layer of asphalt on East Douglas uh, from Hillside, I think maybe all the way to Edgemore. Uh, I didn't see where uh, that section of Douglas needed to uh, be repaid. And then they uh, also laid a new surface on West Maple from the old uh, Mayberry Junior High or whatever they call it today, all the way to West Street. And I didn't see where that really needed it. Uh, and now they're going to repave uh, West Douglas from... Uh, meridian to i don't know how far they're going uh with that uh with that job but my question is is uh maple from uh meridian up to uh up to mayberry uh that that section of maple is just absolute crap and i'm wondering why the city (laughs) is doing something about that (laughs) okay so, again, thank you for the question. Uh, the city of Wichita has about 5,000 lane miles. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot, right? And so mm-hmm. it's it's impossible to treat every road every year. And so we have to um, preventative maintenance and try to keep a road as long as we can. And so typically with our asphalt roads, they start to develop cracks. Um, and it's because of the climate that we're in during the winter. That happens and it spreads. And so... Every year we go through and fill in those cracks called crack seal. And what we've started to do now is after that crack seal is done for that section, we go in and we put a thin layer of asphalt over the entire surface. 
it's a more attractive look than having a road with just all these crack seal ribbons up and down. That makes it a little rougher to drive across to. We get complaints about that. So by adding this thin layer of asphalt over the entire surface, it protects the entire road, gets us more years of life on it. It makes it more aesthetically pleasing instead of all these ribbons of crack seal. Now we've got a solid surface all the way through. And then finally, it gives us a smoother ride. And so that's what you're starting to see. It used to be where we just did the crack seal and then moved on. Just filled in the pothole and we, move on. We yeah. just filled and moved on. And that became this ugly patchwork quilt of, of road. And so by doing this treatment, it's not a complete asphalt replacement, but it does give us more years, more life to that section as we try to catch up. When I first got on council back in 2015, we were spending uh, a little bit less than $6 million a year on road maintenance. We are now up to $12 million a year. Wow. So in less than six years, we've doubled. Doubled it, yeah. And now, you guys are also going in kind of quadrants around the city to where you focus on certain areas each year for like right. major repairs, right? Right. So um, arterial streets, your Douglases, your Centrals, your Harrys, and so forth, um, those get a lot more traffic, and so those get more uh, regular maintenance as opposed to the residential s- the subdivisions and so forth. Those still get crack seals and preventative maintenance, but our major arterials, we try to get more regular because they get the most traffic. Interestingly enough, and this is something that most people will not believe, but Kellogg right now is considered done, in my opinion. You drive from 135th out west all the way to 143rd out east, there's no construction on right now. Yeah, uh, There's some maintenance every now and then, right, and some, some things like that. But for the most part, Kellogg is complete, which is hard to s- believe that would ever be said in our lifetime. <laughs> um, but this is the season where we're doing road maintenance sure, uh, just because of the weather. And yeah. so you're seeing a lot of that right now. But that's the, the answer as to what you see um, with the crack seal and why that asphalt overlay. Yeah, Is that, that an well, to your I question, Sean? Well, I know what the crack still looks like because they did that to a university street that uh, where I live, West University. They did that to university, but what they did on East Douglas, that looked like a brand new, you know, inch thick layer of, uh, yeah. of yeah. asphalt. But my, I'm just wondering when is uh, when is Maple uh, from Meridian all the way up to Mayberry? You know, that's pretty pretty nasty area of uh, yeah. street. And I'm just wondering going to fix that because yeah um i couldn't tell you sean specifically the timeline on that it's not within my district um so i don't get updates on maple from uh the section that you described from uh up there you said uh, yeah yeah, uh, near mayberry um i can tell you that if you go and you see any uh road signs that say new road in progress or are we there yet that means it's getting ready to get done and again, they all are phased in with 5,000 lane miles. We can't do them all at the same time. But right. um, you could check District 4's Facebook page, um, and they list streets that are getting ready to get done. You can also go to just wichita.gov and then look under the Public Works tab, and there's a section there that does street maintenance. And, and reach out to the council going. person in that district. Yeah, and, uh, uh, council and member Bluebaugh is District 4, and he'd be able to tell you what the timing is. Okay, that answers my question. Cool. Uh, now, to answer Andy's question. Yes. You still there? Okay. 
uh, <clears throat> you would think that not wanting to get the Wuhan flu would be incentive enough to get the vaccine. <clears throat> but I guess all of these um, incentives different states are offering are really, I guess, meant for people who don't, or like me, they don't want to get the vaccine. Right. I tell you what, if the state was to offer me, say, $10 million, a brand new truck of my choice, and some <laughs> spending money, um, I would consider getting a getting a shot. At least consider it. <laughs> okay, so, so that's the line where you would start to consider. You need to still work up and negotiate higher than that, but that's your starting point. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Point. All right, so not okay. just a you know not just two laps around Kansas Speedway in a race car. That's not going to buy you over, huh? <laughs> uh, no, that's just going to do it for me. I'd rather have the money. <laughs> there you go. I love it, Sean. I appreciate that, my friend. Have a great weekend. It's always good to talk to you. Three one six seven two one eight two five five. Boy, keeping you on your toes that's today. That's good. I appreciate. Yeah. it. I love the questions. Yeah, a lot of good stuff, and it's it's good to kind of understand that process a little bit as well. Uh, before we take a break, I do want to talk about. As, as you just mentioned, kind of our budget right now. You guys are in budget talks right now, yeah. finance talks. You guys did a bit of a financial retreat here recently talking about the budget, what to look at spending. $75 million coming in from the federal government from coronavirus relief right now. Uh, and it's good to talk about where that money's going to go because obviously since it's kind of a one-time payment, we can't expand size of government to maintain right. that down the road. So what are kind of the options right now and what are we looking at budget-wise? Yeah, uh, so it's about $73 million from the feds, um, and this is on top of the money that we got last year that the county had designated for us, about $12 million. So we've been doing budget treats. We've had a couple already. Um, certainly the top priority is, you know, lost revenue. How do we get some of that back and, and get things back to normal, opening up, uh, getting sales taxes going again, um, et cetera. And we've got a balanced budget for the next two years, the, the forecast which is great, um, but we're looking at years three and four, and we're starting to see some gaps. And so what are some things that we can do right now to continue to be more efficient? Uh, where can we make investments in capital that will um, allow us to improve operations? Um, that's Those are the kind of things that we're looking at right now. Um, I'm more of a proponent of putting it back into capital spending, especially as it relates to uh, public safety. Mm police substations, fire substations, making sure, because those services got a lot of demand on them in, in, during the COVID crisis. And so if we can improve operations, get staffing levels right, uh, again, we, we can't use this money because it's a one-time gift. Yeah, uh, it, You can't use it for continuing staff operations. But if we can figure out ways to be more efficient, make sure we're locating resources where they need to be, and again, whether it's software, computers, equipment, how can we best utilize these funds? That, that's really what we're spending a lot of time on right now. We identified the positions that we absolutely need to have back, and we're in the process of doing that. And again, that's, we have a balanced budget because of that, but going forward has the best way to use this money. You know, the county's getting uh, federal money. So it was 259, so we're looking at partnerships. How can we combine resources where it doesn't all have to be on the city of Wichita? Maybe it's a joint effort between school district, the county, maybe even the state uh, to identify opportunities to create more um, investment in small businesses, um, workforce training and development, smart technology. How do we start to prop up? Not just our aircraft manufacturing workforce, but where are the other opportunities building off of that, that there is 
um, new job opportunities or new companies that might come to Wichita because we've got the workforce. Um, and again, help us ride those waves that we get right. with aircraft manufacturing. Aircraft manufacturing is coming back strong already. We're seeing it at Spirit. Textron There's a lot is, of new jobs coming out, yeah. Textron has been doing fantastic. Bombardier just got a new $460 million defense contract. So the aircraft industry is coming back. They're challenged in finding workers as well right now. And so we've got to maybe do some workforce training and development to get skill levels back up. WSU Tech has been killing it out there. and But... We need to continue to make sure people know about these opportunities and get the training so that they can fill these critical jobs. Sure. Yeah, and there's opportunities for that. I mean, Wichita State University Technical School, I mean, is working on trying to get people trained for aviation. There's lots of opportunities to work on getting some certain skills to up your level of education, to up your level of skill work and be able to get some higher paying jobs yep. uh, instead of the, you know, the lower paying jobs that they're trying to raise those minimum wage on. You can actually get some of those, get some specialized jobs. And there's tons of those opportunities. We saw more tech industries yep. announce more job available uh, here in Wichita too, didn't we? Oh yeah. No, it's, and cybersecurity is a big one Ooh, for Wichita there you go. Um, because of the intelligence wing out of McConnell. That has created opportunity for people that are already working out there or they've retired and want to have a job in that same industry. That's creating opportunities in cybersecurity here in Wichita. We've had a couple of companies locate from other states to Wichita because of our workforce and the abilities that we have and, and our people out here. So it's a great time. I think it's fantastic for Wichita to continue to build on these uh, industries, whether it's advanced manufacturing, uh, data and IT, logistics. I mean, the fact that we're in the center of the country, it's a two-hour ship from here to anywhere else in the continental United States, that's opportunity. Yeah. That's why Amazon's building this huge facility up in Park City. That's why we're seeing industrial spec warehouse space blow up because being centrally located, it's easy to get product from here to anywhere in the country. Yeah, and so there's a significant opportunity there, and we're seeing advances in in healthcare and um, oil and gases. You know where it's at, and then ag. These are all critical core strengths of Wichita that have got great opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. There's we got a few minutes left here, but there are two more things that I want to briefly touch on uh, for us as we kind of wrap up. Number one, the Propel business loans. Uh, is that coming from the money coming in from COVID, or where's that coming from, and where did that start off? So Propel is a new program originating in District 1. When we sold the Hyatt a few years ago, each district got a million dollars to designate in their district however they wanted to see. Some of us put it in park and recreation opportunities um, and, and so forth. Um, in District 1, they split theirs up into a lot of different things, and the idea behind this is to create – small business loans for women and minority-owned businesses in District 1 to help them with things they couldn't traditionally get loans for. S simple things like office equipment or um, uh, I'm trying to think of something else, but not something you traditionally get a loan for at a bank. But you hmm. need it for your business to be successful. Okay. So and kind so, of a personal loan, but for the business sort of thing. Right, right. And, and again, small industry, small business. These are micro loans, like anything from... I think the cap on it is fifteen thousand. Yeah, but traditionally it's like three to five thousand dollars, and it's a very low interest rate. Has to get paid back to the city, um, but it is strictly for District One. You know, it's a pilot project. We're going to see if it's successful. 
again, the idea is that it continues to regenerate and continues to make loans to those small businesses that don't have those traditions. And again, um, to help them succeed. So, sure. But it is right now because that is where that pool of money came from. That's why it's dedicated for District 1. Very good. Finally, uh, there is something you guys talked about that's kind of exciting. Top Golf back in the area here uh, is that's going in the northeast corner of Correct. the city. So, um, K96 in Greenwich, there is a Star District, Star Bond District, which is a state program done through the Commerce Department that allows the new sales tax generated from that project to be used for infrastructure to help create that business. Uh, it has to be for big items. It's got to be like a $50 million investment in total for the district um, designated for tourism to create opportunity uh, to get visitors to Wichita. So that Star Bond District was created originally um, with Cabela's as one of the anchors, uh, the Wichita Sports Forum, again, sports tourism, and then the Striker Soccer Complex. So all of that is what generated that Starbond district. And then in 2017, um, it changed to allow a golf amenity. Okay. And at that time, there was a, a, um, a competitor to Top Golf that um, was being tossed around and called Drive. And it was, a, like I said, a competitor to Top Golf. And then because of that, Top Golf got attention to Wichita and said, well, maybe this is something that we need to look at if, if, there's a competitor to us talking about which may we need to look at. <laughs> so then they started talking to developers in Wichita and then a group called big shots drive didn't happen. Then in the be- late 2019, another competitor called big shots, which is the same concept started looking at Wichita top golf is looking at Wichita. Well, they're partnering now. Gotcha. And they are announced plans to build a top golf facility Two stories, 50 bays, restaurant, et cetera. The whole shebang uh, the there. Whole, yeah. Uh, which, again, Top Golf is the premier. Okay. They are, uh, when you look at that category, they are the best. They're the one that everybody wants. Interesting. Like a, you know, a Bass Pro compared to a Gander Mountain. That's okay. the difference between the levels. I mean, they're that good at what they do. And so... Um, they announced that they're going to build a new facility and they'll start construction um, next year. Design is all happening this year. And then, uh, again, depending upon timing and construction availability materials, they could be open before 23, but most likely 23. In 23. Yeah. Interesting. It's so, a- and again, the, the key takeaway on this is because it's a state program, there's no cost to Wichita taxpayers. We're not using any city resources to fund this. We're not giving any city incentives for this. Okay. This is a state program that because this particular piece of land is not generating any sales tax right now, right. there's no revenue. But by building it, they will create sales tax revenue. And that sales tax revenue, instead of going to the state to go to the general fund, stays with the project to pay a certain percentage of that investment. Okay. And then after that's paid, all of that money then continues to go to the state for their general fund. I've noticed people really like their golf around here. Yeah. They you really know, like that's the, golf. the thing. When when people hear Wichita's getting a top golf, 
They're excited. They get pretty excited. Yeah. Brian Fry, City Council member. Always good to talk to you, my friend. Enjoy the weekend. We'll get you back on the show again here real soon. Wow, that went fast, man. Flies right on by. <laughs> Hour number two of Kansas Talk coming up. Stay here. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Hey, welcome back into Kansas Talk, hour number two of Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM, KQAM. It's a Saturday morning. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Trying to get you up and going. It's going to be a beautiful day. going to be a warm one. Warm one, I tell you what going to be feeling it get that tan on right i can finally not glow in the dark maybe maybe i can just go and not have to worry about glowing in the, <laughs> in the dark anymore uh with all this nice summertime weather welcome welcome and thanks again to brian fry city council member coming on the program always great to chat with him and a lot of great information we appreciate the phone calls very much as well with all the questions and all the comments going on here in the city it's important as we talk about bringing the politics back down to the local level that's kind of how we do it right we're involved with the local level. We understand what's going on. We understand how things work at the local level. And some things are good. Some things are bad. We need to discuss those and talk about them uh, all around. One thing that I found interesting. Oh, by the way, so we made, a, I guess, a not a mistake, but uh, last weekend with Memorial Weekend, I had on some really great content. And being the weekend and being the holiday, not a whole lot of people got to hear it. So people found out that we had uh, Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt on the program last weekend. And, but because they weren't around with the holidays, didn't get to hear it. So, uh, depending on how time goes, uh, at the bottom of this hour, we may replay that interview with Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt, so that way you have the opportunity to hear that one if you were gone from last weekend with Memorial Holiday. So we'll play that one. Other than that, it is open lines to you this this hour, 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. But someone's really interesting that we've kind of found out as we've kind of seen and followed some of these state and city and countywide issues with how much money is coming in from the COVID-19 pandemic and with the COVID relief, quote unquote, at the federal level, which the reason you want to know why it was $2 trillion, you don't want to know why we still had a trillion dollars in the bank at the federal level before we even passed it. Joe Biden's $2 trillion COVID relief package is because they don't they they passed it with the opportunity to spend all this money, but they don't even know what to spend it on. It wasn't stimulus checks to you. You got some of that. I mean, you got the nice, you know, pennies on the dollar sort of thing. That's cute. Your taxpayer money, you, you know, you're going to pay 40% tax rate and you're going to get a thousand dollar check. So I hope you feel really, really good about that one. That's the efficiency of the federal government. But now we're just writing checks to county governments, to city governments, to state governments, and saying, do whatever you will with it, as long as it's quote unquote COVID related. And if that means paving a road, so that way the mobile testing unit can drive on it smoother than by golly pave that road with that COVID-19 relief check. As we just talked with city council member, Brian Fry, $73 million coming into the city of Wichita. When we're sitting here discussing what kind of infrastructure th- plans or what type of IT work and upgrading computers, what can we do? What can we do with the $73 million that usually isn't going to be in the budget? It's a one-time payment, so it's not like we can hire on a bunch of new city employees because we can't maintain that two years down the road after that money goes away. Uh, what do we do with this money? We don't need it. It's not a necessity where we're desperate for it. Yeah, we'll pay off some of the debts. We'll pay. We'll kind of catch ourselves back up after the year. Sure, we'll do that, and we need to do that. But outside of that, what else are we going to do with this money? 
So we're talking about infrastructure plans, getting things up to code, upgrading some things, doing IT upgrades and computer upgrades. That's all cool, but is it a necessity? I mean, ultimately, that's still your and I taxpayer money coming from the federal government to subsidize city and county issues. And I just don't like it. I'm not a fan of it because it was wasted money we didn't need to have spent at the federal level when the federal government feels like we need to pass a stimulus package and then we just overblow everything and then we're finding unique and creative ways to spend money. Let me be very clear. Government, no matter what level, whether we're talking about the city, the county, the state, or the federal government, no matter what level, the government is never supposed to have to find creative ways to spend money because of an excess of money. They're supposed to find projects based on the money available to them from the tax money that comes in. And it's supposed to be tight, and it's supposed to be limited, and we're supposed to say, all right, this is how much money we're getting. Let's find projects, all the, the best projects that we could possibly do with this money and prioritize it because it's going to be limited. That's how government's supposed to work at all levels. You know you have a problem. And this is not just a city of Wichita issue. This is nationwide where cities are just getting millions and millions and billions of dollars coming in and saying, all right, what do we do with this cash? You know there's a problem, a systematic, fundamental problem when you have cities saying we need to find ways to spend this money because we don't know what to do with it. That's a major problem. Not just the city, though. Are you aware that USD 259, the public school district for Wichita Public Schools, is also receiving 70 to $75 million from the federal government? That's not including the local sale or property tax. That's not including the state government money coming in. It's already 60% of our state budget. That's not including anything else. That is just specifically federal money from COVID relief of an additional $75 million into the Wichita Public School District. For what? For what? We did remote the last year. Yeah, you had to get some cleaning uh, cleaning utilities. Yeah, you had to get some laptops and some different programs for virtual learning. Guess what? You already had money from COVID relief to cover that. You didn't have to touch a single bit of your emergency funds. Not a bit. Not a one. Not a bit at all. You're still sitting a record amount of emergency cash fund in your reserves, in your savings account as a school district, and yet you're just getting a blank check for $75 million dollars to USD 259 to the Wichita Public Schools, just saying, here you go, this is your COVID relief, do what you will with it. What the heck is a school district going to do with that? I'm seeing new, brand new schools being built all over the place. I'm pretty sure that we're not having a, a uh, funding problem for the public school district in Wichita or really the entire state of Kansas. So I don't want to hear a single bit from any teacher's union. I don't want to hear it from school advocates. I don't want to hear a bit about it from the school boards. I don't want to hear a single word at all about having financial problems where we can't give teachers raises, where we can't actually properly, you know, fund the students, where we don't have enough money to get proper resources for the students. I don't want to hear it at all because it's, bogus the fact that you're just getting a blank check for 75 million dollars unnecessarily when you haven't touched your savings account in your in your emergency fund as a school district when you've had a year of virtual and you haven't had to you know fire up the school buses you haven't had to fire up most of the buildings you haven't had to do a whole lot over this last year because of covid you've gotten off scot-free where you've just done pretty much virtual with limited um uh, limited staff in the buildings limited cleaning limited amount of people, uh, maintenance, limiting how, how many people actually have to be there. You've limited that over the last year, and now you're just getting $75 million out of the blue. Here you go. Do what you will. Hat tip from the federal government, your COVID relief paycheck.
I never want to hear about financial struggles with the school district again, ever, because this is stupid. And you know they're going to complain, well, we can't give teachers raises properly. Well, we have outdated buildings. Well, we have outdated school books. Well, we have outdated lab stuff in the science department. Well, we have this. Well, we need that brand new school. You know, technology and things just change, and we just need to get that flashiest school that's really, really big. We have a spending problem on all levels right now because government is not supposed to find unique and creative ways to spend money. They're supposed to find unique and creative projects to prioritize based on the minimal money that comes in to the government at the city, at the county, at the state, at the federal level, and even within our school districts. You don't need a flashy new building. You don't need all of the fancy stuff. You just need educators that know what the heck they're doing. 3167, maybe I'm wrong here, and if you disagree, I'd love to hear from you at 3167218255. I posed a question in the last hour, and I still pose it to you right now as well. There, uh, After Ohio had done their COVID-19 incentive vaccine to where you get in the pool and for uh, one a week, five weeks straight, they're doing a million-dollar giveaway as a lottery if you get the COVID-19 vaccine. Now, all these states are trying to do this in Kansas uh, especially, looking at different incentive projects to try and get people to get the COVID-19 vaccine. So I ask you, if you haven't gotten the vaccine, why haven't you? I'm truly curious. It's not trying to be snarky. That's not trying to be sarcastic. I'm truly curious on why you have not gotten the COVID-19 vaccine yet. Do you not trust it? Do you not want it? Do you don't think you need it? Me personally, I don't need it. I'm not going to get it because I don't need it. I'm not going to inject something unnecessarily in my body with the potential for negative side effects when I don't need it. I'm just not doing it. So you can intensifies whatever you want to. I'm not going to get it. But if you're on the fence because you're questionable, if you're not sure, if you're adamant you're not going to get it, my question is, now with incentives coming out, at what threshold would you be willing to go towards for the government to incentivize and offer you something or a business to incentivize and offer you something for you to say, okay, you know what, I'll get the vaccine. We're sitting right around, as far as I'm aware, uh, let me see if I can find it real quick, right around, I want to say, 50% in the state of Kansas on COVID vaccinations, which they want 70% nationwide by uh, by 4th of July, which I don't think is going to, well, maybe it might happen nationally. We're at like 60% nationwide right now. Uh, according to KWCH News, 42.5% of Kansans have uh, received at least one dose of the vaccine. 35% of Kansans have been completely and fully vaccinated. So 35% of the state population has received both doses of the vaccine. 42% has received one dose of it. Nowhere near the 70 to 80% uh, rate of what they wanted for the quote-unquote herd immunity. So they're desperate. Desperate. Which, that's my point. If you don't want it, and then they try to bribe you, are you willing to take that bribe? Either because you're not sure or you're adamant against it. Now, according to the polls in Kansas, only 8% of Kansans say they're adamantly against it. The rest of them, the 40% or whatever it is, say that they're open to it. They're just curious. They're not sure. They have some questions. They're a little reserved. They don't know about it. So at what level, if you're on the fence, I'm totally curious, and I don't want to, you know, browbeat or anything. I'm, I'm just curious. If you're on the fence about getting the vaccine or not getting the vaccine, at what point of a threshold are you willing to say, okay, I'm willing to get it because of this certain incentive? We had Sean in the last hour, and I'm with him, $10 million at a brand-new truck. And then I'll start talking. Then we'll negotiate upwards from there. $10 million on a brand new truck. Then I'm willing to start discussing the idea of the vaccine. They almost had me at the free beer. Got to admit, they almost had me there 
with the free beer, but not uh, not yet. Not going to get me. Are you willing to compromise your bodily health for the vaccine for an incentive? They're offering anywhere from, you know, two or three laps around Kansas Speedway in a race car. They're offering cash prizes. They're offering certain things around the state. They're going to try and do it at all these fun festivals at Riverfest. They're going to be trying to do it at certain baseball games. They're trying to do it all over because, well, you're there having a good time. Just come over here and let me punch you with a vaccine. And if you don't want it, is that going to change your mind about it? Because apparently it's our, it is for a lot of people. They say it's hugely successful. And Ohio saw a vaccination rate increase of like 30% in the state when they started doing that $1 million lottery giveaway. Where they're giving a million dollars a week away uh, for five weeks straight. Dylan's is now going to be giving away also a million dollars to people or a year's worth of groceries. Is that an incentive that you're willing to take? You know, things are tough. Things are kind of hard. Sure, I'll get the vaccine because I could potentially get groceries free for an entire year. Is that worth it to you? What's your level of being able to accept this thing? Or are you just adamantly against it because of X1? I mean, you know, Fauci's been telling us all the right stuff all the all the time, right? Anyways, huh? <laughs> We'll take a break. We'll get your phone calls at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. When we come back, I do want to shift gears a little bit. The land grab, the 30 by 30 plan from the Biden administration. Many farmers and ranchers, a little concerned about that across the state of Kansas. We'll talk about what is the 30 by 30 plan, uh, the new information that's coming out. And as a farmer or rancher, if you are out there, uh, are you concerned about this plan as a potential land grab in the state of Kansas? Uh, right now is they want 30% of all land in the nation to be owned and controlled and quote-unquote preserved by the federal government. We'll talk about that and a heck of a lot more going on here in the state of Kansas. It's Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. past the hour welcome back into the program radio and uh plus you can also watch us on our facebook live stream facebook.com forward slash 1480 kqam you can watch us there leave comments we've got some comments on there we appreciate that very very much almost uh, did my voice of reason thing throughout the week but you can find us on all the social media but you can find us on facebook for sure at 1480 kq am there's lots to get to by the way so a couple programming notes we are going to play our interview with Derek schmidt kansas attorney general we had that last weekend during the memorial weekend but with so many people gone for the holiday i figured that's not usually the good time to introduce it because i don't know if you've realized or not in the seven years that we've been on the air here in kqam i have yet to talk to kansas attorney general Derek schmidt i don't know why i just never had an opportunity to reach out and talk to him but he is running for governor, by the way. We did not talk about the governor's race. We'll get him back on at a different time to talk specifically about the governor's race coming up next year because him and Jeff Collier are the two major candidates that have officially announced already. Maybe a couple more jump in to the race a little bit later. But there are some really, really good stuff going on with the attorney general's office. The attorney general is really one of the most important positions we can have in a state. Andy, why? Well, we have the legal issues where we can challenge the federal government and stop what's going on there. We can create our protections from regulations or laws or legislation coming from them saying it's unconstitutional. Because remember, in case you're aware of the boundaries of power and who has powers and where it's delegated, the states are sovereign. States in the nation are sovereign, and you can stop federal legislation if you opt out of it. 
You have the right to do so. You also have the right to challenge it with attorney generals and take it to court, which is what they do. So they are very, very powerful positions, and we appreciate Derek Schmidt and everything that he's done over the years. So we sat down with him last week. We'll play that interview after the bottom of the hour here in just a little bit. Also, I am super excited. I'm sure you heard it in the last hour. I am super excited. Starting on Monday, the Dan Bongino Show, live right here on the KQM Airwaves, 11 to 2, middays. You can hear him live every single day. Uh, we are not going to be airing the Dana Les Show anymore. I love Dana. Great program. Unfortunately, it was out of our hands uh, losing that one as it was a, a major corporate deal thing going on nationally, and it affected a few markets like that. So you will not hear Dana on the airwaves, but I, that's okay because I am a big, big fan of Dan Bongino. I've been a fan of Dan Bongino for a very, very long time. He's all over social media. He's one of the biggest podcasters in the entire country. He's a major podcaster here in the Wichita area. He really took hold and really grew massively after the passing of Rush Limbaugh, and he's kind of been deemed as the carrier of the conservative torch middays, leading the conservative charge and really the semi-replacement for Rush Limbaugh. Now, technically, he's not because he's a different syndicate company, which I'm not going to get into the inner workings of how radio works, but he has grown massively, and most of Rush's listeners have kind of uh, migrated towards Dan Bongino. So guess what? Here in the Wichita area, you're going to get him right here on the KQAM Airwaves, every day live, 11 to 2. I am super excited. At the same time, we are going to be talking with Dan Bongino uh, on Candace Talk next weekend, on next Saturday. So you're not going to miss that. I'm super excited to talk to him. He's kind of been on my bucket list to chat with, among other guys as well. But I'm a big fan of him, former Secret Service guy. He was a Secret Service under the uh, presidential detail for Secret Service under the Bush administration and the Obama administration. That's when he left. And he's like, Haha, yeah, not uh, not dealing with this guy. And he's a phenomenal talk show host, and he's growing by leaps and bounds every day. So starting on Monday, you can hear him live on uh, KQAM here, and we'll chat with him on Candace Talk next Saturday. So make sure to stay tuned in for that one. All right, open line to you at 316-721-8255. The question to you is that what line would you draw to compromise and say, yes, I will get the COVID-19 vaccination for this incentive? What would that be? What would the government have to do to make you get that injection? Let's go to the phones here, shall we? Line number one, good morning, who's this? talking to me uh yes sir how we doing fine this is bill hey bill and i and to answer your question i have already got the shot mm, uh, okay i i don't know that i necessarily well i like i told most of my friends i didn't i haven't had a flu shot since i got out of the air force but okay. we were going out we were going out of the out of country for a couple of weeks so i decided to get it just uh just as a precautionary thing in case uh, there was some shenanigans trying to get back into the U.S., I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that could be a concern. So, I'm sure that they're going to be uh, – I mean, now, of course, if you're um, coming through one of the uh, illegal parts of the border down at the southern border, I'm sure you're not going to have to worry about it. But if you come in legally, they're probably going to make sure you have the vaccine, you're wearing five masks and everything else. Well, I don't know if it was that bad. But, yeah, it could have been. And, you know, that's one of those things you, you don't want to get out of the country trying to get back in. And then you not have it, and then they yeah. kind of got you, got you by the shorts, I suppose. Yeah, that's um, a concern. Hey, uh, can I mention one other thing? You talking about that land grab? You betcha. Well, my question is to go along with that land grab. Was all this uh, like oil grab or whatever you want to say, shutting down these pipelines and everything else? And I guess my thought, it's always that I mean, with those guys, all the the major politicians, and I, I would have to include some on the conservative side or the supposed conservative conservative side, I guess. 
Um, are they are they figuring, you know, 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, they, they've got all the power as far as the, the oil and the land and everything else, and they're kind of, they're kind of, I don't know, I guess, cashing it or honey holing it. So they have power over it. So 15, 20 years from now, they'll have, they'll have everything because the way it is right now, they, they, you know, it's us against you, so to speak. And they're up there. I mean, just like now, I think we've got in some respects, two different justice systems. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Democrats have one and everybody else has something different. Are they trying to, I don't know, for lack yeah. of a better term, honey hole all that stuff? I that's, mean, just a question, I guess. Yeah, that's a great point. And you know what? we got to take a break here. So uh, if you want to hang on the line, you can or you can hang up. We'll answer that when we come back after the break because that's a really great point. I mean, what is the end game trying to conserve land at the federal level and have federal government own land in the state of Kansas? We'll talk about that when we come back after the break. It's Kansas Talk here on KQAM. Stay here. Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. I go just let this ride for a minute. Come on, let's do this thing. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 1025 FM, KQAM. Making it happen, doing the thing, wrapping up last half hour of the show. It goes by way too fast. Joe Pags live with the weekend coming up here on KQAM in just a little bit. You can uh, listen into that, tune in. Great stuff there. So uh, we appreciate the call very much, Bill. The question about the land grab from the federal government, this 30 by 30 plan. It's supposed to be fighting climate change in the country by the federal government thinking that they can take care of the land better than you, the farmer or the rancher or anybody that has land across the country. Now, their goal is to take 30% of the land and conserve it as federal property, kind of like national parks, to where they just take it over and then they get to dictate. Now, the problem is, is that if they do that for, like, farming land and stuff, which they do. My parents, when we had we had a large amount of property in Ohio before we had moved to Colorado and then moved out here and that sort of thing. But as a child, we had about 80 acres of land. It was beautiful. It was open field and we had some woods and it was all by, you know, about a mile of river in the back. So I could literally walk out and do whatever the heck I wanted to do and go camping and go hunting and go hiking and and do fishing in the very back, and it was beautiful. Most of it was federally owned, and I remember, and I was little, so I don't remember a whole lot of the details, but I remember my parents would get paid to maintain the field and, like, once a year or something, go out and mow it or something, uh, or just at least maintain it or at least be paid not to farm that land because it was conservation land or something. I don't know what it was. It was a weird deal, but it was they didn't want it to be tampered with to be farmed, so they just paid us to just keep it as is and maintain it. That's kind of what I think they want to do with this federal grab with this 30 by 30 plan. Now, the federal government has come out and the Department of Agriculture has come out and said that they're not trying to confiscate land from farmers, which has been the big concern from farmers and ranchers here in the state of Kansas. Right now in Kansas alone, uh, the federal government only owns 0.57% of all land in the state. We're number 40 in the nation for federal land ownership, and that's good news. That's good. I don't want the federal government to own this land. We're farming communities. We're agriculture here in Kansas. And the farmers kind of know what they're doing with taking care of the land, right? You need crops to grow. You need animals to, you know, uh, to graze on. You need to take care of that land. So therefore you take care of it. So that way it functions and it keeps your livelihood going. You kind of know what to do with your own property and with the land. The federal government. Now, here's the big kicker. They make it this big deal. The federal government already owns 28% of all land in the nation. 28%. They want to make it 30% by the year 2030. 
They want it to be this big plan. We're going to own 30% of the land. And what they're going to do, the problem is, is that if it does end up taking over and making it federal property in the state of Kansas, then that would probably affect many farmers to where now they get to dictate what you do with your farm. Sorry, you're not allowed to plant crops on it. You're not allowed to put cattle on it. Or you can only put limited amount of cattle or only put limited amount of crops. You're not allowed to, because climate change, because global warming. So therefore, we have the right to take this over. So the question is, when it comes to energy and when it comes to oil or natural gas or that sort of thing, are they trying to take over that as well? Yeah, probably. They probably don't like the evil oil companies. And if they owned the land where the oil would come off of, then they would probably subsidize someone to come in and drill it. But then that profit would go towards the federal government. So that was kind of an added bonus for them as well. But it's all under the false flag of climate change and global warming. But yet now, well, sorry, farmer, you don't know what's best for your land. So we're going to tell you what to do with your land. Kind of like what was happening with the water rule or the water act under the, the Obama administration. If it flooded and it rained really, really hard on your land and you had a major pond now on your land, that was considered a, quote, navigable piece of water. And therefore, the federal government technically could walk onto your property and say that is now property of the federal government. And because of water issues or water animals, waterfowl, whatever, that is now our property and you can do whatever you want to with it. And that's the concern with this 30 by 30 plan. And they've tried to reassure farmers that that's not what they're trying to do. But we got to give credit to Senator Roger Marshall and Congressman Tracy Mann uh, from the 1st District because both of them are working on an alternative 30 by 30 plan with concerns of a little bit too much federal government power and uh, a power grab by the federal government when it comes to land that could affect farmers and ranchers across the nation, but especially here in the state of Kansas. So I know Roger Marshall, uh, Senator Roger Marshall and Congressman Tracy Mann are both working on an alternative to this 30 by 30 plan, but it is scary. It is scary because if they come in and try to say, you know what, we're going to take over 2% of land in Kansas, that's a percentage and a half more than what they're doing right now. And where would that be? Where would that be? Would that be state parks turned into national parks? Would that be farming and ranching land? What would they try to take over as they try to, quote unquote, work with the farming community and agricultural community to say, you know what, you, you really just don't know what you're doing with your land. So we're going to come in and tell you what to do with this land. You're not allowed to farm it. We're going to pay you not to farm it. I mean, that's a nice incentive for people, right? I can sit back and I just have to maintain it, just let it be, and I'll get paid by the federal government. Again, taxpayer subsidies that don't need to happen, but that's what they want to try. Your thoughts, 316-721-8255. Let's go to the phones here, shall we? Line at number one. Good morning. Here's this. Uh, this is Bill again. Bill, what's going on, sir? <laughs> hey, hey, going back to what we were just talking about there. Sorry, I got I, I hung up in yeah, apartment somehow. Yeah. But on this land grab deal, well, they can say what they want, but uh, with all this other BS that's been going around as far as President Trump and some of these investigations, I don't trust them. And they can yeah. say whatever they want, that this is, that's what their intent is. But, you know, it goes back to the commercial here a while back, probably a couple of years ago. Are, are they going to be uh, an active environmentalist or are they going to be an environmental activist? <laughs> there's, a, there's a difference. There is a so, difference. Uh, and they don't realize that on, on the right side with us, with farmers, ranchers, just basic conservatives, we may not be, quote unquote, environmental activists. We're conservationists. We're the ones that like to go out and go camping and hunting. We're the ones that like to go out and fish and go hiking and go enjoy the outdoors. We don't like catching fish with tumors and three eyes on them because we want to make sure that we want to enjoy them and eat them if we choose to do so. And we don't want to be eating a tumor ridden fish. So we like to conserve 
our lands, but yet apparently that's not good enough because we just need to stop farming, stop killing innocent animals, and um, just you know live in the city and let vegetation do its thing. I mean, it, it's kind of a radical position for them for sure. Well, I, I, I think they they like to. They're just a bunch of blowhards, I guess, for lack <laughs> of a better term, because they they think they know better than than the. And I, and I I do some farming and I got some cattle, so I and I don't. I'm not a pro or expert at this by any means, but I guarantee you I know more what's going on out here than what those guys do sitting up there in an office in Washington just because they got the just because they got the supposed power to take care of it. And I hope the American people wise up and forget about. Uh, forget about the part the party thing and and do what's best for for us as a nation and do what's best for us as a country not what's best for the party because uh as, as the way things are, are traveling right now or headed right now we're in for a, we're in for a rude awakening i think amen to that i'm right there with you and you know what you're a smart man not trusting the federal government when they come out and say we're just here to help you take care of your land better i mean that should be a major red flag right Oh yeah, I yeah. I mean, if you don't just like just like the all this safety stuff. Well, you know they're they're better taking care of our kids than we are. Well, how does that work? I mean, you they're they're a thousand miles away, but they know what's better for your child than you do. I yeah. mean, come on, people, wake up, smell the roses, do what do what you. In other words, I guess the best thing is a lot of people are trying to say, well, it wasn't my fault, it was the government's. Well, you're the responsible for your own family. You're responsible for your own livelihood or whatever the case may be do what you know you need to be doing don't don't be using that for a crutch or an excuse to say well they told me i had to do it that way mm-hmm. get out and do your own thing do you you be responsible for you and your family and your your livelihood i couldn't agree more bill i appreciate that very much you're absolutely right you can't play the victim saying i didn't know the government was going to do this when you trusted the government to do anything you're absolutely right on that one i appreciate that call very much my friend 316-721-8255 316-721-talk take some responsibility you, politics is coming back down to the local level it really is the city council the school boards the county commission the state legislature even uh, because power's supposed to be back down at the state level because we know what's going on you can trust your city council more so because they kind of live with you they go to church with you they kind of know what's going on down the street from you they know what's going on that's where the local level is supposed to be involved not the federal government coming to your farm and saying hey i know you have a thousand acres of crops here yet you can only farm about 400 acres of that because the rest of it's going to be environmental conservation you can't be doing that and we know how to take care of your land better than you people that fall for that I got a bridge for you to, you know, to to buy as well. It's going to be great. It'll be fantastic. it'll be the best bridge you've ever had in your entire life. Let me tell you, believe me. All right, I want to shift gears for a little bit here. I got some comments about individuals saying that they had not heard our interview with Attorney General Derek Schmidt. We did that last weekend with Memorial Weekend, and obviously with a lot of people out of town enjoying the holidays, didn't get to tune in and be able to hear that one. And our very first interview with Derek Schmidt in the seven years that we've been on the air here in the Kansas area, uh, didn't get an opportunity to. Uh, play that one or hear that one. So I want to play it right now, and you can get a chance to do that, but uh, that'll kind of wrap up the show for us today. There's other things we wanted to talk about too, which we'll try and sneak in towards the end, but next week's going to be a big show as well. You're not going to want to miss that. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But we did sit down with uh, Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt just a week ago talking about some legal issues in the state, and this is what he had to say. Welcome into Kansas Talk right here on The Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM KQAM. Great to have you for a Saturday morning trying to kick off your Memorial Weekend, so it's great to have you along with us today. I'm excited. I think this is the first time we've actually had this individual on the program, and I have to admit it's my fault. I have no idea 
why it's been so long since I've reached out to actually have him on the program because he's been a true fighter in the state of Kansas. He's rocking it in the attorney general's office, and that's one of the most important positions that we can have, especially right now in these crazy times with the federal government and even with our radical left-wing Democrat governor of Laura Kelly. But excited to have on the program with us today the attorney general for the state of Kansas, Mr. Derek Schmidt. Derek, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Andy, and thanks for having me on. Hey, it is really great to have you on the program, and I apologize. It's only been seven years of having a radio show and not having you on, and I have really no idea why. So it's good to have you on this program, (laughs) finally. And it was good to see you out at the Kansas State Rifle Association uh, annual event a couple weeks ago because uh, it even seems like, I mean, Kansas, we're rocking it on two-way issues right now. Other states struggling just a little bit. One case coming out of New York right now with their court case about you can have your concealed carry permit but you really need to validate why you have a concealed carry permit we don't have to worry about those types of things here in kansas thanks to what's uh, some of the stuff that you guys have been fighting for that's exactly right kansas is really a national leader in protecting second amendment rights and we've made so much progress on that front over the past uh, eight nine ten years that's something we all ought to be very proud of it's the way it ought to be one of the things that uh, you know, that the legislature this year passed a piece of legislation that we have been working on now for, I think, three or four years. And finally, the stars aligned. They got it done. They had to override Governor Kelly's veto to get it done. But got several parts. But the key part from our vantage point, the reason we brought this bill forward, uh, was that it makes clear in terms of our concealed carry permits uh, uh, that we are going to maximize our ability to get reciprocity agreements with other states. If we want other states to allow a Kansas permittee to carry a firearm concealed when they're traveling temporarily in another state, whether it's Missouri or Tennessee or wherever it may be, uh, we've got to give that same uh, recognition to their residents when they come temporarily to Kansas for work or pleasure, whatever it may be. And uh, we had some wrinkles in our law that made it difficult to do that in all cases. And uh, it doesn't sound like it should have been a very difficult issue, but like I say, it, it took three or four years and a, and a veto override in order to get the thing done. So I'm really proud of our, our majority in the legislature. They stood up on that and got it finished. Yeah, it, it's really nice for us to be able to expand that and accept the concealed carry permits from other states because there were a few states where we were concerned about them potentially dropping their recognition of ours if we didn't do this, correct? That is true. Uh, you know, they're, they're kind of the down-in-the-weeds issue, uh, there were a few states where they allowed people to carry that Kansas doesn't for whatever reason. Uh, age tended to be the number one. Missouri, for example, has allowed people to get a permit at age 18, and we didn't allow it until age 21 in Kansas. Well, what if you're a you know, 20-year-old in Missouri, you have a permit, you're lawful, everything's right. Uh, and you want to travel temporarily to Kansas, as you might do every day if you're, you know, live in the Kansas City metro area and you cross the state line for a job or whatever it may be. Um, but we couldn't recognize that uh, permit in Kansas, or at least potentially couldn't recognize it, mm. uh, because we don't recognize, uh, you know, under 21s or didn't until this new law passed. Uh, well, that didn't make any sense at all. Uh, and so, really, things have squared up now. And, and like I say, I think we've avoided the risk that we're going to lose some of those reciprocity agreements. There are now 40 states recognize a Kansas permit, and I think that's very good. We've added, gosh, I think it's something like 15 on our watch here at the AG's office. It's been a priority for us to make sure that we maximize the value of those permits for Kansans who choose to get one. Yeah, that's really good. I love that. Now, at the same time, we have a lot of protections here in Kansas. We have the Second Amendment Protection Act. We've we've expanded our concealed carry permits here in the state. We've done a really good job. At the federal level, though, we do see some executive orders coming out of the Biden administration, not to mention 
the new uh, nominee of David Chipman as the director for the ATF, which I think is a, to me at least, I see it as a desperate attempt of we can't change legislation and laws, so we're going to do it through the PR of a, a fourth branch bureaucratic agency trying to demonize guns and gun owners through someone like Dave Chipman, who's a very, very anti-Second Amendment individual. Uh, what, what can we do here in the state of Kansas, and are you concerned about him potentially becoming the director of the ATF? I am. You know, sort of the big picture here is that the Biden administration has blown a lot of anti-Second Amendment smoke. So far, they haven't done too much. And I'm not complaining. I hope they get through an entire administration and don't do too much and just talk a good show from their vantage point. But, you know, we're lined up. We're ready to challenge, uh, whether it's uh, administrative crackdowns or other federal regulations that we think uh, uh, intrude on firearms rights uh, impermissibly. You know, we're ready to challenge those as soon as there's something to challenge. We can't just challenge the rhetoric. There's nothing to sue them about. The first real fight off the block has been the nomination of Mr. Chipman uh, to be the director of the ATF. And uh, I joined with a bunch of other like-minded uh, state attorneys general from other states uh, in a letter to the U.S. Senate and said, in our view, this fellow should not be confirmed. We don't think he's properly qualified for the job because of uh, his really extreme views. Basically, he's been a a lobbyist and an advocate for anti-Second Amendment pro-gun control causes, and President Biden wants to put him in charge of the agency that regulates firearms federally. Well, that, that, is, that is not a good fit. So, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic the Senate uh, may be able to come up with enough votes to uh, block the nomination, but of course the U.S. Senate is equally divided right now, Republicans and Democrats 50-50, and uh, every, every one of these fights is a fight. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Hopefully we don't see him go through, but we'll have our, uh, I guess, ducks in a row if he ends up coming in that way. We're talking with Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt. Let's shift gears a little bit to education in the state. I've had many people on my national program during the week talking about the rebuttal to the 1619 Project and how racism's just systematic in this nation, and we're going to start teaching this kind of garbage through our educational program. Um, is there a push in Kansas to at least make sure this doesn't infiltrate our public school system? Because right now, through the Department of Education, it seems like that's kind of becoming a mainstream thing, and I just I, I don't get it. I don't get it either, Andy. I mean, I think America's story is perhaps one of the most remarkable stories in world history. The the story of 1776, not 1619, and the story of 1787, uh, not 1619, is the real unique contribution of America to the progress of, of human history. It's a contribution to liberty and self-government uh, and how we protect rights that are given to us by God. And I, I just don't understand why there is such a movement among uh, so many on the left nationally uh, to, to not talk about that truly remarkable contribution we've given to liberty and instead talk about uh, uh, other parts of our history that uh, you know, nobody argues uh, are a positive thing. Obviously, slavery was a terrible, terrible stain on uh, human history, not just American history, but on human history. Uh, the point is we're moving beyond it. That's the story. And so uh, you know, this whole notion of, of the effort by the left, the Biden administration, to push the uh, teaching of the 1619 Project as revisionist history onto our, uh, into our schools to try to sort of shape our kids that way, and critical race theory with the lens through which American history should be viewed. I just think it's wrong, period, end of story. And so we've started to push back on it. Uh, at the end of the day in Kansas, uh, it's our election – I'm sorry, it's our education officials at the Board of Education for the state or the local boards that make the ultimate decisions on curriculum. But what we've tried to do is prevent those federal officials from really trying to cram down that type of teaching from Washington onto our local schools. And uh, right now the specific action – uh, there's an effort. There's some federal money. Surprise! There's some federal money that has strings <laughs> attached to it. 
Uh, and the, the string is, if you take this money for teaching civics, uh, you're supposed to teach the types of things that promote critical race theory in the classroom or use the 1619 as a tool for education in the classroom. And we filed comments again with a bunch of other like-minded state attorneys general and said, don't do that. Uh, we actually think it's contrary to federal law. Uh, there's a, there's a, the, the, the statute that Congress passed that authorizes this grant money. Uh, requires the teaching of truthful American history. That's the term, truthful. And we just don't think it's truthful uh, to suggest that everything uh, in the past uh, uh, has to be viewed through this particular lens. So I'm hopeful we can get it stopped. Well, it needs to be stopped. I mean, it's the woke crowd. It's a minority of the woke crowd, not minority in race-wise, but minority of population-wise that's that's trying to push this kind of thing, and somehow they're gaining traction. So I'm glad you guys are working to try and stop this. Last question before we let you go, Attorney General Derek Schmidt for the state of Kansas. But I do want to shift gears a little bit to COVID as we're starting to open things back up. We have an end date now for the emergency declaration. There's been some lawsuits coming out from businesses about lost revenue throughout the state um, from being shut down, being forcefully shut down from the governor over the last year. Do you see more of those kind of things popping up in the state of Kansas? And what could the future look like in the Kansas by lost revenue of, or businesses that actually had to shut doors because of COVID from enforcement from the, uh, d- d- from the governor's office? I am afraid we're going to see more lawsuits uh, by businesses seeking compensation for having been ordered closed by the governor uh, during the COVID state of emergency. You know, a couple of businesses have sued the state already, and they've been great to work with. We sat down with their counsel. Of course, my job is to provide a defense for the state and for the taxpayers from these suits. So we sat down with them early on and said, how about we put this litigation on hold? Wouldn't it be better for everybody if the legislature could come up with a, a, a sort of uniform way to deal with these compensation issues for everybody who was affected, every small business that was affected, as opposed to uh, those businesses that decide to go retain their own counsel, file a lawsuit. We get lawsuits all over the state. We might get different and conflicting decisions from different courts on what the rules are supposed to be. And it's just that that's just an inefficient way to resolve this problem. And so the plaintiffs were agreeable. We put the lawsuit on hold, went to the legislature and said, wouldn't you please uh, deal with this, pass some type of law that provides a fair and uniform way of compensating for these closures that were ordered by the governor. Legislature finally passed it, and the governor vetoed it. Mm. And so we're right back where we started. Um, those lawsuits that have been put on hold by agreement, are I'm, they're going to get dusted off here, I'm quite sure, and uh, the plaintiffs will be pushing them again. We'll be in the position of defending the state, and we'll do that. But I, I do expect that uh, because, uh, because there was no resolution to this problem through the legislative process and the governor signing it. I'm afraid the resolution is going to come through the courts and we're going to see more of that. That's unfortunate. I mean, it sounds like you guys had a good plan to try and counter some of this stuff and just say, let's regather and regroup here at the end of all this and kind of figure out what we can do. But uh, it seems like it's been, and I'm not putting words in your mouth in any way, shape or form, but it seems like it's been a little difficult working with the governor's office throughout this entire thing. Well, it's been a stressful time for everybody, but uh, obviously the, the governor and I have seen the world differently on quite a number of issues through COVID. <laughs> We've done our best to uh, to work together, but uh, sometimes it's just not possible. Yeah, that's tough. Attorney General Derek Schmidt for the state of Kansas, we appreciate the time. I know you're a busy guy. I really appreciate it. Keep up the fight because this is exactly where we need to fight is in the courtrooms, unfortunately, for many of these issues where we shouldn't have to at times, but we have to be able to conserve our constitution and, and constitutional rights in the courtroom and we appreciate what you do each and every day we look forward to it and let's get you back on the show again real soon thank you andy really appreciate it we'll talk with you next time
There it is, Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt. We appreciate his time very much. It was a great interview, and we'll get him back on the show again here in another month or so. We'll do maybe a monthly update on legal issues in the state of Kansas. Kind of cool. That does it for us today. Wrapping up back at it on Monday for a laundry list of stuff for The Voice of Reason. You can hear that live at 4 p.m. Also, The Voice uh, or the Dan Bongino Show now live 11 to 2 middays during the week. Going to be a hot show. Super excited about that one. And make sure to stay tuned in to Kansas Talk next Saturday as well. We'll talk with Dan Bongino, other great guests as well. Until then, enjoy the weekend. Going to be a warm one. It's going to be a nice one. Sunny, not going to be raining. Maybe this is the weekend you can enjoy and go outside a little bit. And free, uh, free fishing this weekend across the state of Kansas. So definitely enjoy that as well. I'm Andy Hoosier. This is Kansas Talk. Everybody have a great weekend. Back at it next week right here on KQAM.